So I'm watching this TED Talk while I'm running on the treadmill in March. And I watched that and was impacted by it. And, and I said to Joel and Andrea, who arranged and kind of helped you know, put together all these services, I said, you know, at some point this might be a good thing for us to come back to. And, and they're so wonderful because as I'm preparing this message, I said, this is all about seeing. They said, we got to play that little clip. Because there are so many people, people around you who um, you may see them, but you don't necessarily see them in their deepest part of their being. In fact, I use these words of Jesus from John 13, and I just changed it and paraphrased it a little. He says, I'm giving you a new command. See each other. Just as I've seen you, you should see each other. The way you see each other will prove to the world that you're my followers. Let's pray. Father, what a great opportunity to stop and be seen by you today. What a great opportunity for us to be able to see others in the same way. I would pray, Spirit, speak. We would ask that in your name. Amen. So Zacchaeus is a story of deep change about a man who had been seen. It's found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And it says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. To see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he, he saw, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, or as it says, with incredibly great joy. All the people... They were seeing something. They saw this. And they began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said, Lord, look, see. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Kind of sums up the mission of all of what Luke is writing about. This man, Jesus, came to see those who seem to be cast aside. Those who... When you look at them, you may not see it, but they're deeply alone, afraid. They're wondering, does anyone see me? Well, verse 1 is really interesting. Jesus was, as you look at this, he's on a mission. He's intending to pass through Jericho. You have to read this with this understanding. He was just passing through. If you read Luke 18, go back a little bit before that in verse 31, 
we find that Jesus, after he's been teaching, takes his 12 aside and he tells his 12, I'm on a mission and here's what I'm here to do. We're going to Jerusalem. That's the mission. We're going to go to Jerusalem and everything that is written about me by the prophets will be fulfilled. I'll be handed over to the Gentiles. I'll be mocked. I'll be insulted. I'll be spit upon. I'll be flogged and I'll be killed. And guess what? On the third day, I will rise again. And the disciples didn't understand any of it. They just knew he was on a mission. He was going to Jerusalem. One of the Gospels says that Jesus set his face like flint, like this hard rock. Nothing was going to stop him as he's on this mission to Jerusalem. So we continue to read in Luke chapter 18, verse 35, as he's on his way, as Jesus is approaching now Jericho, a blind man by the side of the road, hears all kinds of commotion and he begins to, to wonder what's going on. And he says, what's up? That's kind of my translation um, of his call out. And he's told by the people around him that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And people, you know, they talk and they, they, they tell about things that are going on. And he's excited and he begins to yell because he knows about this Jesus. He's, he's a miracle worker. He's a rabbi. And so he starts to yell, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He starts yelling. And as he's yelling, he's told by the people around him, shh, quiet, quiet. Hush, don't be seen. And he cries out louder. And Jesus stops. And Luke tells us, and he orders the man to be brought to him. The command of Jesus, this rabbi. And he asks this man, as he's brought before him, I imagine being guided by people because he can't see. And he asks the man, what do you want? And you kind of go, duh, even a blind guy can see what he wants, right? And, and the guy looks at him and just says, I want to see. And Jesus says, receive your sight. Now catch these words, your faith has healed you. Do you want to know that your trust in God in whatever circumstance you are in, in this very moment, your ability to say, God, I open my heart, my life for your kingdom to come into this, this situation for your hand to work, opens up the opportunity for God to be at work in that situation. Your faith, that's an important thing. You have a part to play. Your trust opens the door for God to work. And so he does that, and the guy's healed, and everyone cheers, and Jesus continues on his way. He's on a mission. And so now as Jesus enters Jericho, intending to pass through, we read that Luke says that there's a man there named Zacchaeus. Well, we just read this last time, the blind man's calling out, who wants to be seen by Jesus. This time there's a spiritually blind man there, who doesn't want to be seen by Jesus or anybody for that matter, because he's not well liked. He's not wanting, you know, people don't want to see him. Think about it. If Jesus almost walks by a blind man who is calling out, surely Jesus is going to walk by this crook hiding out in a tree. Right? Well, if you look at verse 2, we're told a little bit about Zacchaeus. We're, we're told that he is named Zacchaeus. In fact, in the Greek text, there's this interesting combination of words here. One commentator says the combination of the word anamatai and kalumenos, which are two Greek words, the word for name and to be called. 
This Greek commentator writes, this combination is odd and unique. They just aren't found together in Greek literature. And it may be meant, because Luke was a doctor well-trained in the Harvard of his day, it may be on purpose that Luke is drawing attention to this man Zacchaeus' name. Because in the Hebrew, and all would have known it, his name meant the righteous one. So in a sense, Luke begins this story by saying the one we call pure and righteous was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Kind of an axiomoron that would have caught anybody reading their attention. But what we find is he's not just a tax collector. We're told that he's the chief tax collector. And it's interesting because Luke is one of the only Gospels that tells us there's such a position as a chief tax collector. We always just hear about tax collectors. But this guy is a chief tax collector. Erdman's commentary says the Romans farmed out the task of collecting taxes in a particular area to the highest bidder. No salary. Just collect the money that you bid and whatever you made above your bid was yours. That's the profit that you get. The key, as any businessman will tell you, is to give a accurate bid, right? And Zacchaeus was a tax farmer for the entire region. He was kind of the land of lakes when it comes to taxes in that area. And Zacchaeus was farming rich soil. This was a wealthy district, and he was the commissioner of taxes, the chief guy. You see, Jericho was on a main thoroughfare that would go from Syria, in fact, all the way from Iran and Iraq, there would be this thoroughfare that would go through Syria all the way through Galilee, coming through Jericho and then through Jerusalem on its way down to the lower portions of Judea and then to Egypt. So in many ways, it was a great place to have taxes because you would get lots of tolls just from a toll standpoint. And he had lots of guys at toll booths. It would be kind of the Chicago toll for that area, you know, how all those trucks go through those main arteries there. It was also a resort area, a beautiful area. I was in college and I had the opportunity to study for six weeks in Jerusalem. And when I was there studying, we took a lot of trips to different parts of Israel. And when I was traveling one time up through the northern part, we came back and the route we came back would have been somewhat similar to the route that you would take. And as we came along and I happened to have my eyes open, I was so glad that I did, because when we turned a corner, it was just arid and rocky. It was just dry and desert like in a sense. And as we turned this corner, it was this palm tree green oasis of, of just popped out like a jewel in the middle of all this kind of arid desert-like area. That was the area that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector over. It was a resort area. And because of the warm climate, it was a favorite of the wealthy snowbirds, of, of those from up north. And in that way, some of you can relate. It was kind of like the Naples or Scottsdale of that area. And he had the opportunity to collect taxes there. And he employed a lot of tax collectors under him. And he must have made a lot of good bids. Because we're told he was really wealthy. Sometimes wealthy people aren't liked anyway. They're liked even worse when they're working for the IRS. How many like wealthy IRS people? Come on, be honest. And not only did he work for the IRS, he worked for the Romans and he had betrayed all his people. 
And for some reason, when we read in Luke chapter 19, verses 3 through 4, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He wanted to see who Jesus was because he was short and could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, and since Jesus was coming that way. We don't know why for sure he wanted to see him. It may be that he heard, as Luke had told us in chapter 7, verse 34, that Jesus was the friend of sinners and tax collectors. So here he's thinking maybe this guy might, this holy guy, this rabbi guy. Maybe I could be his friend. I don't know. Maybe Zacchaeus heard that Levi, who now in the New Testament is called Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, Levi, he heard, was one of Jesus' followers. And Levi was a tax collector from the Galilee region. And he, he maybe had met with you know, Levi and knew Levi from an NTC convention. You know, you know what that, the National Tax Collectors Convention, which was held yearly up in Caesarea in, along the Mediterranean. It was beautiful. I don't know about, I'm just kind of kidding here. We do know this, because if you were in any way involved with church and you're younger, there's some advantages. You learn these really great songs, because we knew that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. And a what? I don't know, wee little man was he. You guys are good. He was short. He couldn't see over the crowd as Jesus was making his way. So he runs ahead, finds a sycamore fig tree. It's a lot like that. He finds a sycamore fig tree, which is somewhere further up on the parade route. He knows the route he's got to take. And he waits. And he kind of probably hides out. You see a little face there hoping that he could see Jesus. Probably not wanting to be seen by anyone, especially Jesus. But if you read verse 5 and 6, Jesus was intending to pass through. Remember, he wasn't going to stop. So we read that when Jesus reached the spot, he stops. Zacchaeus is up in the tree going, and Jesus stops. He sees Zacchaeus. He looks up. He commands Zacchaeus to come down. Now, there's a couple things that are so cool about this. Jesus is the Son of God. He is man in flesh, but fully God. But the way he's fully God, he gave up all his rights, but he has the Spirit of God working in him in the same way you and I do if you open your heart to God. We're told that he will forgive you of your sins. He'll come into your life. And as he comes into your life, he will allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak to you and guide you and, and direct you. And Jesus is this guy who is guided like no one other. He's anointed, which means it means he's, he's so full of the Holy Spirit, it's just poured out over him. And he's walking along. He's intending to go to to Jerusalem. He's going to pass through, but he stops because the Holy Spirit says, Zacchaeus, take a look. And he commands him to come down and and Zacchaeus comes down joyfully in response to the command of God. There's also this kind of thing. When God shows up in your life, when God speaks to you, how joyful, how glad are you to get down and go, oh, I'm going to come down and do whatever you say. Well, we read that Zacchaeus comes down, and then we read in verse 7, all the people, they see this, and they're, they're muttering. It's interesting, that word, because if you look up like words, it's mumble, grumble, complain, murmur, groan, and moan, and snarl, and growl. 
whisper and sputter. Sin loves to gumble and complain when things aren't going our way. And when God's at work and He's doing something that we don't like, Jesus, He just, everyone else. Just... Here's one of the first times, really one of the only times in the text, where it says all the people saw this and muttered. You know, every, most every other time we, we find that it's the Pharisees and the, t- the teachers of the law. That's who are usually the ones grumbling, complaining, moaning and growing and, 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 and snarling and growling. But this guy's a key. He's a no good. He's a crook and everybody knows it. And eat dinner with this guy and stay overnight at his home is, is paramount to condoning almost in a sense his behavior. It's this idea. It's guilt by association to the first degree. And it, we're told in the only place, all the people look at this and go, whoa, what is Jesus seeing? What is he doing? What in the world? And so at some point we read in verses 8 through 10, at some point Zacchaeus listened to Jesus and something happened deep within. Deep change took place in this man Zacchaeus that could not happen, could not happen if it wasn't for that Jesus stopped and he saw Zacchaeus. How often do we fail to stop and see someone that God wants to work in their life? And so he stops. And we find that Zacchaeus stood up. And at a certain point, while Jesus is meeting with him, says to the Lord, look, Lord, see all this, Lord, in a sense. Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, the idea is if is really the idea in the Greek is since I've cheated. He knows that he's cheated. Anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount, which is an interesting statement because in in the law, in one sense, he only had to pay back principal in 20%. But if you read in other passages that if you're a criminal, it says at one point that if you've stolen something, you have to give four heads of lamb for one. And in a sense, he's saying, guess what? I see you as others see me. I'm a crook. I won't deny it. And I will respond in the way that is godly. My character has changed deeply. And Jesus says to him today, You've been healed from deep within. Salvation has come to your house. Because the word salvation, folks, has, the, has primarily in it the idea of healing. Salvation has come to his house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man, Jesus, here's his mission. Here's what he was going to Jerusalem. But he wasn't getting to Jerusalem. It's getting to do what we just saw right here. But if you've ever been in this place and God's come to your life to rescue you from where you're at, it's just what you've experienced as well. Jesus came to seek and to save any person who will just kind of admit to the fact that I'm lost. I need your help. I need you in this circumstance in my life. I, I, you know, I've invited you into my life here a long time ago, but right now I'm still trying to manage. I'm still trying to make this happen. I'm still trying to do what I can do to get this outcome to happen the way I want it to happen. And God says, guess what? If you will just stop, humble yourself, invite God into this, you will watch the demonstration of God's power. It may not happen right away. You may be in a place here this day and never opened your heart before the Lord. You know that you've tried to do things on your own. You've messed things up. You may feel like you carry great shame and great guilt. You may feel the despair of your own sin. And God comes to you right now with, with this 
In my eyes to your eyes, through the Holy Spirit saying, I see you and I love you and I call you because I come to seek and to save anyone who feels alone, cast out and away. No matter how chief of a sinner you are. When what happens, deep change occurs to Zacchaeus and he experiences this incredible, significant love through the, the love of Jesus because he's seen by Jesus. This man was hoping not to be seen, but Jesus sees. And he sees what I see four things that I think bring about kind of great change in people's lives. Four things that if you kind of pay attention to, he sees the man's need. He sees your need. He also sees your sin. He doesn't just bypass it. He sees your sin. And he sees your value. He looks in and he sees the deep value of who you are. And the other thing he sees, here's a wonderful truth of the scripture. He sees your tendency to wonder. You kind of think, well, man, he sees me. He's restored me. He also knows that we have a heart that continues to wander. And he continues to come after us because he's a God who seeks and saves the lost. So the first thing I just want to share with you is we kind of just take these last few minutes to talk about this. He sees into the need of your heart. He sees into the need of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is no different than you and me. He has these incredible deep needs. Our needs drive us to get things that we want. Our needs cause us to be selfish. Our needs, if you want to put it in a way, our needs are legitimate. How we go about getting those needs met are often sinful. They're selfish. It's the word sin. What it means, sin means, it means that you end up cutting off relationship between God, relationship with yourself, and relationship with others. And, it's, and it offends and it hurts and sometimes causes great pain to others. It always causes great pain to God. And so Zacchaeus was about meeting those deep needs and he was going to use the strategies that he felt would get what he needed. Because what he thought he needed, being a short guy that he was, wanting probably to feel significant, wanting to feel important, wanting to feel powerful, he just felt like the way to do it is if I get money, I get power, I get this kind of stuff, people are going to look up to me. Even though I'm short, they're going to look up to me. And he probably had what I would call that Napoleon complex, Right? And you know what you find, I think, was Zacchaeus found? He amassed a lot of wealth, and he also had amassed a lot of hatred. I think he found that the needs that were driving his heart and the ways he was trying to go about getting them met weren't working. They were cutting himself off from God. They were cutting himself off from the people that he wanted to be most in relationship. He was cutting himself off from himself. And you will do the same thing. When you have needs that drive you and then you seek through your own self to try and make those things met. In fact, what I found is in my life, the, the ways that I would try and get those met when I was younger, they seemed to work. They worked for a while. They seemed to get what I wanted. And after a while, I found out in my life that when I continued those sinful, selfish strategies to try and get what I thought I needed to make those needs be felt and met, those needs and those ways became really a prison to me. They imprisoned me. They didn't set me free. They cut me off from those that I loved. And so Zacchaeus finds it doesn't work. And so one day Jesus on a mission stops, looks up and goes, I see your need, Zacchaeus. I see you. I, God in me, sees you. I want to be with you. And the second thing he sees is he sees the sin. He doesn't deny his sin. I see you, Zacchaeus. I see how cut off you are. 
how isolated you are. I see your sin. I see you've offended people. I see you've hurt people. I see you've stolen people. I've seen you've robbed from people. I see you're a crook. God comes to you and he sees you for, for, for what's deep in your needs of your heart. But he also comes to you and he, he also sees your sin. He doesn't come and, 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 and condone it. He's not, he comes to remove it. You know, we think that God's in the, he, this reform program and Zacchaeus was, was, was seen by Jesus. And Jesus doesn't give him the standard rabbi line. It's not kind of like, you know, Zacchaeus, you know, I'm here to reform your ways. And so as you kind of come along with me, if you do a bunch of good things, you go to church and you give your money to people and you do these things. If you do these things, then I'll, I'll love and accept you. We want to all the difference in the world. Here is Jesus, holy and righteous himself. He sees Zacchaeus. He sees him in his sin. He sees that Zacchaeus is anything but righteous and pure. And without condition, calls him and says, I want to be with you. That's your God. That's the God who loves you. He sees you. And he doesn't come to reform you so that through your own efforts, somehow you can keep him pleased. And if you keep him pleased, he'll be your friend. He is a friend of sinners and tax collectors. He's your friend even in your sin. He doesn't come to reform you. He comes to transform you. He comes to give you a new heart. Deep change happens because he places a new heart in people. And that new heart is no longer caused to to have to do what is right by the law. It does it because it's filled with the love of God. I should hear an amen on this, but that's okay. I don't know if you're with me or asleep, but... And he sees his inestimable worth. Jesus sees our sin, but he also sees deeper than our sin. He sees who we truly are. He calls Zacchaeus, Mr. Purity, would you come down? Oh, righteous one, come down. Someone this week had come to me and they handed me this stone and I meant to bring it in here, but I think we have one just like that, to be honest. And And this person said to me, for years, this is how I saw myself. This is how others saw me. This is how others still may see me. And then the person said, but when the love of Jesus touched my heart and he, I saw how he saw me, I began to see what he saw in me and, and began to see the beauty that was hidden behind all that. I said, it doesn't matter what others see. See, see Jesus goes and, and sees Zacchaeus and he, he sees the significance through his love, he sees the image of God in that person, whether others see it or not. Now, I, I wanted to share with you uh, this, this little clip. You've seen it, but it so moved me, and I'm going to make a comment on it in a moment. But um, it was powerful, and it is still powerful. So if you would just show it. Okay, what's the dream? I, I'm trying to be a professional singer. And why hasn't it worked out so far, Susan? I've never been given the chance before, but he's hoping it will change. Okay, and who would you like to be as successful as? Elaine Page. Elaine Page. What are you going to sing tonight? I'm going to sing I Dreamed the Dream from the Miserat. Okay. Big song. <laughs> yeah? Yes. Isn't that 
Now, I want you to see a little bit more of it in a moment, but I have to say she's 47. How could she, with what's in her, be at that place in her life? Some of you may be 60, 40, you may be 20. I just want to tell you, Jesus sees who you are and all you have to offer. And he wants to bring that out of you. And I can promise you, you're going to have voices like others who are going to jeer and they're going to look at it and they're going to say, you sinner, you're rotten, you can't do that. It's never going to change. It'll always be the same. You'll have the voice of Satan and the identity that you've been given if you open your heart to Jesus is that Jesus resides in you. He is for you. He is with you. He is in you. He will walk with you. He will transform that which is inside and bring it out in you like someday you will see what God has created in began to be expressed. I'm going to ask you to keep playing that. Without a doubt, that was the biggest surprise I have had in three years on this show. When you stood there with that cheeky grin and said, I, I want to be like a lame page, everyone was laughing at you. No one is laughing now. That was stunning. An incredible performance. Amazing. I'm reeling from shock about you two, but... I am so thrilled because I know that everybody was against you. I honestly think that we were all being very cynical and I think that's the biggest wake-up call ever. And I just want to say that it was a complete privilege listening to that. It was instantaneous. I knew the minute you walked out... <laughs> right. If we had, we will see a tape someday of Zacchaeus. And it's a big wake-up call for all of us. How do you see people? How do you see people? I'm going to share with you just in closing this story from one of the Chinese students in the ministry here in the Twin Cities that we've had an opportunity to be with and, and listen to the story of Hugh Bai, a Chinese student who was seen and deeply changed by love. One August, she writes, I packed up and traveled halfway around the world without knowing what to expect. And on my first day in the U.S., I stepped into an apartment I rented and it was totally empty. And at that moment, I just felt helpless. I didn't know where to buy furniture, how much it would cost, and without a car, I didn't know how to move all the stuff. And a friend told me, 
friend told me people in the church would help me with everything, but I doubted it because I couldn't imagine why people would help an international student who doesn't have anything to give back. See, I grew up in an atheist family, and just like most Chinese students do, at that time I believed that whatever you want, you strive to earn it because there is no free lunch in this world. And it turned out that third day after my arrival, I got every piece of furniture that I needed. They were all well arranged in my room, and I didn't spend a penny. That's the first time I experienced unconditional love. Although some friends tried to introduce me to Christianity, the idea of accepting Jesus as my Savior couldn't fit into my mindset, which was filled with evolutionary theory, Marxism, and materialism. And eventually I came to an understanding that Jesus was all about love. And I realized God's love is unconditional, and people who believe in God also love others without condition. And that's why I invited Jesus into my life and was baptized. And her life verse is this, I'm giving you a new command, love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove that the, to the world that you're my followers. I'm going to ask you to stand because we're going to say a verse together in closing and it's going to be the one that we have on the screen here. And Jesus says, I'm giving you a new command and I'm going to ask you to say it now with me. See each other just as I've seen you. You should see each other. The way you will see each other will prove to the world that you are my followers. You can experience deep change. This week, honestly, as you see someone, you could begin to plant the seeds of deep change in their life.